This is HBR News number 268. Kamala Harris has the vice presidential nomination locked up, where we reflect on the stories of the week and give it the badger treatment. Hello and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. I hope you guys are doing well this week and that you are laughing at all of this absurdity so that you are not consumed by it. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm joined by, as always, my amazing patriarchs and our handmaiden, Hannah and Mike J and Dr. Randa McCann. I don't know why I have and in there twice. A comma would have sufficed. On this, week's, <laughs> on this week's HBR News Show, we have more hoes mad of the week. This week, we talk about Kamala Harris, who has been chosen by Joe Biden as his running mate, how objective math itself reeks of patriarchy and white supremacy, men's rights advocate Mike Adams' death by suicide, and more. So stick around. It's going to be, you know, I have it written down. It's going to be a good time, but considering I just talked about a suicide and how our academics have just completely gone off the rails, I'm just going to say it's going to be a time. <laughs> so, and be sure to join us afterwards for the patron only cringe show cringe fest the after cringe i guess this is the cringe that comes after the cringe it's sort of like getting the bends after you've been swimming in cringe and then you come up too soon um we had this article it's not even an article actually this is just a website called black lives matter at school.com which is putting together an educational curriculum so that it can awaken young minds as early as possible to the dangers of white cis heteronormative capitalist imperialist western prescribed norm patriarchy i guess brian that's a lot of words to say brainwash yeah brainwash is a really uh, quick way to put it but yeah um there is a website called black lives matter at school and i it's gonna give me we're gonna look at the teaching materials the curriculum and all of the ways you can essentially prevent your child from growing up in the kkk because that's literally what we happen will happen if they don't uh, apply this and uh, not that it's you know, something that you um, need to know, but just in case you're wondering, this is going to be in public schools. So, so you know where to send your child or avoid sending your child if you're a white supremacist. Um, we'll, be looking at, we'll be looking at this in the patron-only show, The After Cringe. Um, if you want to be a part of that, you have to become a badger by going to feedthebadger.com and setting up a monthly subscription five bucks a month it's not much five dollars a month will get you into our discord and you'll be able to watch all of the additional content um you'll also be able to watch uh, videos like uh ragings that are i guess you could say um in pro in process you get to see them earlier than other people you also get to see allison's scripted videos which she uh, puts together and usually sends out to the patrons in advance so that they can give her some feedback or commentary and of course the community itself is always talking about lots of interesting things so that's feedthebadger.com consider giving five bucks a month it's not much and if you don't want to wake up one morning and find yourself unable to find our content because youtube finally dropped the axe on our channels please go to badgerfeed.com that's badgerfeed.com so uh, we are going to get into the stories. 
originally this was going to be something a little bit simpler but late i would say late ish for when i discovered it um yesterday afternoon i guess i learned that uh well um presidential hopeful nominee joe biden has picked his vp and i think we should probably comment on that so i'm gonna hand the floor over to mike jay and he's gonna give us the news so mike it's all yours why thank you brian less than three months to go until the u.s presidential election joe biden has named former california attorney general kamala harris as his vice presidential pick in his 2020 bid for the white house called it biden announced his pick in a tweet stating quote i have the great honor to announce that i've picked kamala harris a fearless fighter for the little guy and one of the county's country's finest public servants as my wanting mate, end quote. In a subsequent tweet, Harris stated that, quote, Joe Biden can unify the American people because he spent his life fighting for us. And as president, he'll build an America that lives up to our ideals. I'm honored to join him as our party's nominee for vice president, and do what it takes to make him our commander-in-chief, end quote. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Uh, okay, by so, any means necessary, if you Yes, will. by any means necessary. So I know uh, Mike J didn't get a lot of sleep, and he's not going to be able to stay very long. So I want to give you the first, uh, I, the, the first opportunity to make a comment about this story. I like how it, I know that it was not supposed to look like it's supposed to be like a picture of a state, but it looks like a an ominous lightning bolt behind. Do you see that? It's not a lightning bolt. It's a drawing of a state, but it looks like a lightning bolt. <laughs> so, uh, Mike J, do you have any uh, thoughts on this turn of um, See, I mean, I don't want to say I saw it coming because I didn't. I, I thought he was really going to pick the crazy Scientology lady. But uh, um, Which one is that? A rice? Oh, I forget her name, but I think that was the one. Yeah. But like the public, the public got one whiff of her and went, ooh, no, we don't like that. And uh, especially because, well, no, 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 the um, crazy Scientology lady. Okay. I'd say Kamala's actually, mm, in some ways, a safe pick. In other ways, a little bit of a dangerous pick. Yeah. Like, for example, she was notoriously as a uh, California attorney general tough on crime like the conviction rates in across the board I think rose 25% with her at the helm yes and I, I mean again for 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 a place who's uh for a, for a party whose rallying cries become defund the police to overnight having become, the elect become the, police? the become the police <laughs> A-Cab Ek. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but A-Cab Ek. Look up to bastards. Except. This is hilarious. Okay, go ahead. But that's... That's a little odd. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought, well, no, maybe this is actually really, really smart on their part. Because you think about it, um, this is going to all but guarantee them, well, not that they didn't have it, but it's going to more assuredly 
give them California because Harris was a California girl. Mm-hmm. That's where she got her start and all this whole politicking. Is there any eventuality that wouldn't have had uh, uh, the Deb- the Dems in California, to be fair? California yes. has a surprising conservative base. Like, you don't think about it. It was but outside conservative of... for a long time. It yes, was conservative state it was. for a while. Or Republican, at least, I'll say that. It's really the the uh, concentrated urban areas of California that are that are blue. And pretty much the entire rest, rest of the state is red. And if, if yes. Silicon Valley actually uh, were to leave the state, California would be a red state. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like Illinois and Chicago. It's the same thing. Reagan was from California. Yes, he was the governor of California before he was the president. Yep. Okay. Uh, but, but so there's there's that, and um, the other thing is she might be able to help swing some of the more law and order boomer age Democrats mm-hmm. who are like, well, you know, I, I, I don't really like Biden, but I just uh, want to grill I, I, for God's sakes. Just let me grill. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. don't really like this whole rioting and Antifa and BLM stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're, 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 they might hold their nose and vote for Trump otherwise, but go, oh, well, she's tough on crime. Maybe she'll come and sort things out. And they might have thought, uh, I get yeah, maybe this decision will piss off the Bernie bros, but they're going to vote for us anyway, <laughs> no matter what. Because they're not going to vote for Trump. Uh, and they're well, not going to vote for a third party. There there was something that um, oh man, Temple had talking about this way back when the Democrat race was actually quite lively. And I think it was something well, like time ago. 30% of Bernie bros were either going to not vote for anyone or considered voting for Trump. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, I, is, that is an interesting... Uh... I'm, lo- I'm looking at a couple of tweets here from Sean King. Um, <laughs> I know the oh, one! Yeah, you may have oh, boy. Um, yeah, I'm gonna... 14th of November, uh, 2018. Pull it up if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give I'll me a second. The floor I, to you guys. I, I have these, it. These are some good ones. These are uh, good. These are. Uh, these yeah, are on good. on the fourteenth of November, twenty eighteen, Sean King said, "I'll be frank and tell you two Democrats that I am ninety nine percent sure I won't be supporting, primarily because of their dismal history on criminal justice reform over the course of their entire careers." Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They both <laughs> helped build and advance mass incarceration. True, Sean. You went and Seanked again. Good Sean King, Sean. He, then, was, he was right, though. That that is that actually is yeah, true. Yeah, and uh, the 11th of August, 2020. <laughs> Yesterday. Sean King <laughs> said, that's it for me. I'm incredibly proud to see a brilliant black black woman and HBCU <sighs> grad chosen as a vice presidential nominee. I've done political work my whole life. It's rarely things dreams are made of. Kamala Harris is the most progressive VP nominee in America. <laughs> now, say something nice about Biden. Who, who does Sean King work for? That's the problem uh, is, it's not Sean just King Sean destroys King. Sean King with facts, logic, evidence, and reason. So the problem is, it's not just Sean King. We have, we do have a big problem in the United States right now of people who are willing to abandon their principles and abandon their their. Uh, interests for a political candidate that is of the party they support 
And it, it's mm-hmm. a big, it's actually a really big problem. And it makes, it's one of the reasons I think that political parties themselves maybe should be eliminated. You know, people should just run for president and maybe we should have a three-step election process where we narrow it down to a top 10 and then we narrow it down to, to two and then they face off against each other and, and, uh, and they, you know, then we narrow it down to one. Uh, and instead of having uh, caucuses and, and uh, you know, political parties and, and primary campaigns for political parties and all that stuff. And the reason, you know, is because we, we get this situation where people say, well, this person is of this tribe so we have to support him. No, you don't. And if you've mm-hmm. been protesting, you know, like there's probably nobody among the protesters that listen to our show. But if there was somebody listening to our show that was one of the Black Lives Matter protesters, one of Antifa protesters, any of the people out there going all cops are bad. Kamala Harris is a cop. OK, she's a cop that wants to be vice president. Uh, one of the one of the uh, right wing media sources actually put that as their headline, uh, and I, at first I was like, "Well, no, she's a prosecutor, but prosecutors are just top cops." And one of the things that she did that makes her incredibly dangerous was was highlighted by Tulsi Gabbard during the primary. She withheld exculpatory evidence in a case, even after she was ordered to provide it. She had to be ordered to provide it, and then they had to fight to make her actually provide it. Exculpatory evidence, which means she doesn't just want to put people in jail who did something to deserve to be there. She just wants to put people in jail. Right? A, a, a prosecutor who withholds exculpatory evidence is basically communicating that they want to win that case against an innocent person. They don't care if they are putting an innocent person in jail, they're going to put them in jail anyway because they think that's their job. That's Kamala Harris. That's who is now running for vice president of the United States. The person who's going to take over when Biden kicks the bucket, right? Which or, he said he's going to do when to, he's declared or incompetent. Has to step down. Yeah, yeah or he, he has to step down, right? You know, and and honestly. That is terrifying to have somebody in in the executive office of the entire country who thinks it's okay to put somebody in jail who they know is innocent because that gives them a win in their job and is a feather in their cap. That's terrifying. I'm not happy with Trump right now because he's, he's actually enacted a lot of socialist policy. But the idea of a, an executive in charge of the entire country who is okay with jailing innocent people is even scarier, especially when you're talking an executive coming from the party that, that thinks that people should be silenced for wrong think, right? The party that, that supports rioting and burning down the country in order to, to enact a basically communist policy. So she's, she's everything that I don't like right now about Trump, plus the tendency to put people in jail who did nothing wrong because politics. That's yeah, terrifying. She was, That's she just absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah, she, she basically put through policy and boasted about uh, policy that um, 
threatened to put parents of children in jail if they didn't make sure that their children were in school. It's right. essentially forcing kids into school. Um, and if the parents, you know, for whatever reason didn't, or if the child just played hooky and, you know, found out the parent would be held accountable. And she boasted about that. Um, she's definitely been, uh, as far as like the war on, on drugs goes, she's put a lot of men, and I would uh, add mostly black men in prison for minor drug offenses. That was her big, you know, sort of claim to fame as a politician, as attorney general. And then she went on, you know, like when she was running for president back when they were doing the Democratic debates, she was on a, a sort of a black uh, radio show bragging about how she used to smoke a little weed and listen to Snoop Dogg to, because she wanted to get in with the cool crowd, you know. So she put men in jail for minor drug offenses, yet boasted about smoking weed. Which is what she was putting and, guys and in listening jail to for. Snoop Dogg in 1986. Yeah, and listening to Snoop Dogg before he was a thing, which is pretty crazy. He must have given her a mixtape. Uh, on top of that, she does a lot of pandering to the black community as though she's one of them. Kamala Harris is not black, guys. She is not a black woman. She is a half Indian. So her mother is Indian from India. She's registered as an Indian American, like when she was. Um, registering herself in, in as a political figure. Her father is a from Jamaica, but he is mixed as well. He's like half white and half black. So she's a quarter black. You know what that means? She's as black as me. So she ain't black, but she pretends to be black. And ironically, Sean King, who apparently doesn't know what black is, thinks that she's black. And she's also marketing herself as black, which this is important because the reason why Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris was because the Democrats, uh, as, a, as a matter of course, identity politics is central to their platform. And Joe Biden said in the wake of this, all the Black Lives Matter stuff and all the George Floyd stuff, he was trying to pander to them. And so him and his base said, I'm going to nominate a woman of color as my VP which suggests a black woman, which is what they were asking for, like the protesters, the activists and stuff, right? They want a black woman. They want a black woman. I think he's literally trying to pass off Kamala Harris as a black woman because she looks like one at first glance as his pick, even though she ain't black. So the identity politics thing doesn't even like work realistically. And I know it's only a matter of time before people you know, like start pointing it out if they haven't already started pointing it out. Yeah, but she Kamala is a woman, Harris, though. Uh, she's she definitely a woman. woman. Although this this definitely is a, a sort of a reminder of the thing that happened with Sarah Palin and John McCain. Like maybe that was a lateral decision. Like if we get a woman, they'll definitely vote for us, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we were saying, what if you know, John McCain's really old? What if he dies in the first term? We'll be left with 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 Sarah Palin. With Sarah Palin. Right. But he didn't die until like a couple of years ago. So maybe Joe Biden won't die either. But let's we don't need to split hairs about what if. Kamala Harris becomes president. What if Joe Biden becomes president? That's all you need to know. Yeah, we, we have the guy that wrote the crime bill and the Violence Against Women Act running for president. That's bad enough, mm -hmm. right? It's it's bad enough that we have that guy. And and he really he really isn't Mr. Due Process either, right? He yeah. is he is well, he's gonna undo the title nine the wall. Yeah. He is Mr. Stop and Frisk. He is Mr. you know, throw the book at him over that broken window. You know, not Mr. Rehabilitation, Mr. Keep him in jail for life, right? 
So that's that's who we got running for office. Mr. Keep him in jail for life. And miss, it's OK to put you in jail if you're innocent because politics running for mm-hmm. office. And mm-hmm. it, like this is this is a really, really bad. Um, not not that I uh, not that I specifically think they're going to win, but they do have a chance because I, I honestly Trump is pissing off a lot of his base. I'm not the only person that I've heard talking about all of this spending and all of the, the socialist policies and, you know, the the lying that has taken place from our federal government, from our federal agencies with respect to uh, the COVID-19 crisis. And, and now we can't trust, you know, like we could trust before and we really couldn't, but now we really can't trust anything that we're hearing from any government agency on this topic. And, and yet we're getting treated as though uh, anybody who doesn't just trust what we're told and, and respond to it accordingly uh, is, uh, is crazy or dangerous. And we have cancel culture uh, resulting from that as well in, in mm-hmm. both directions. Right. And that's that's all tracing back to big government handling of this stuff instead of uh, treating the public like adults, the adults in the public like adults who can handle factual information and make intelligent decisions based on them. Right. So I'm 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 not um, not sure. Like I'm not looking at this as it's in the bag that that the Biden Harris ticket is going to be defeated. Because my looking at it, I I think Biden is more dangerous. He is the most dangerous of of the candidates that I see running. Oh yeah. Uh, in terms sure. of bright, the civil rights of the American people, and and where our military is going to go and be used in the future. Because if he's he's that way uh, in terms of the crime bill and in terms of uh, the Violence Against Women Act and his entire history of uh, dealing with with people in an authoritarian manner, how is he going to act with our military? What's he going to do with our soldiers every time he sees something happen in a foreign country that America disapproves because Joe Biden disapproves? Uh, but at the same time, I don't know that everybody in Trump's base is going to think about those things when they're voting. They're going to think about Trump said America's never going to be a socialist country and he's handing out money like it's, it's uh, you know, tissues at, at, a, at a funeral. And uh, it, it really is something that this, this is going to be an actual race, not just, uh, not just a, a uh, not just, he's not going to skunk Biden in the current mm-hmm. uh, environment. So I think uh, both, both parties ought to really take a look at, at these candidates um, and particularly in terms of their history and uh, consider, you know, is this is this really is this really who you want in office? And uh, both both parties really ought to consider. We're back into the situation of a choice between a giant douche and a shit sandwich, and we have an hors d'oeuvre on the side who we aren't getting to hear, so we don't know if she has anything genuinely intelligent to say, uh, because. She's not even allowed to be involved in the debates. We get to see what she tweets. And all we know is she's libertarian and she wants small government. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if the third party is even viable. Yeah. Which really uh, she, sucks. She, she's the uh, she's the Klagner olive on, on top of the shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this you point. Don't need, you don't need to know what a Klagner is, but well, you can figure it out. Well, 
my main point for uh, commenting on this is that I think uh, people should know um, who Kamala Harris is and what the combination of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris could mean for due process rights, especially in particular with men, because they're going to be the ones impacted by this the most um, if she is elected. Like they both are on the same side when it comes to what they think about that. I mean, you know, Biden already said himself that he's going to undo all of the work that Betsy DeVos has done uh, with regards to the Title IX Dear Colleague letter stuff. And the, f- the fact is, Betsy DeVos hasn't done nearly enough. And they're just going to yeah. reverse all of it. So before we could even see if that makes any prog- uh, progress, and that's just one area, you know, we're talking about that's just college campuses. But considering how much of a, you know, um, authoritarian cop figure Kamala Harris was, uh, that's probably going to continue if they get into that position. And the fact is, this is not, I think that this isn't really a race of Trump versus Biden. This is really a race of Trump versus Kamala Harris, because Biden himself is probably not going to be, um, he won't be, pre- if he like won, he'd, he, he might be president long enough for the inauguration. And then he'd have to like, you know, step down because step down. fucking delirious and they just give it to her and then she'll become you know the first female female president of color by you know technicality um and uh yeah no it's it is a shit sandwich so but i think you guys yeah. should know that yeah i mean like right now and it the way that our our uh political conversation itself is set up in terms of like how we decide who gets to you know, uh, debate and and how we present our parties. It's always been messed up, but that's not going to change before November. So we have to think about like how we're going to do things by November. And what I, all I would ask is, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I will ask that if you're American and you can vote, um, don't be too cynical because we need people to be activated, Um, especially if we're going to, if we care at all about who is actually going to be, you know, uh, messing with the laws and policies of this country and how it impacts, particularly how it impacts men. And I do think that uh, Kamala Harris is a, I mean, I think the reason why they picked her, it comes down to just out of the the sake of simplicity, it does still come back to identity politics. It came down to a promise that that Biden made. He was put on the spot and somebody asked him, are you going to pick, you know, you need to pick a woman of color VP or a person of color as your VP. And he said, I promise that I will. And that put him in a situation where it was like, well, I only have like the small pool of things to pick from. And at the end of the day, um, you know, Kamala Harris is the establishment version of what he would have picked. Right. It makes sense. That's I called this from the beginning when I heard he had to pick a female of color. I said, oh, he's going to pick Kamala Harris because, you know, she was running before she had, you know, demonstrated. She has like, um, you know, uh, there's clips of her. She's kind of well known. You know, she's she's not an unknown face, right? She's also in their, you know, little clique. Like they all talk to each other and stuff, right? So, and you can even find. I think when when she was in the debates, this is some really funny stuff. Uh, Kamala Harris has said that she believed Joe Biden's accusers. I suppose he accused him of sexual harassment and she was doing it to score political points 
But the fact that she would go ahead and still be his running mate shows us that she either um, believes it but doesn't care or doesn't actually believe it. And she was just saying that to score some points. Well, there were several people that um, came out that they believed his accusers, but they still yeah. supported him because it was important to defeat Trump. And that's, right, that's right. the other thing that, that that is important to recognize. So we have mm -hmm. socialism heavy and socialism when it seems convenient. Um, socialism heavy is going to be socialism all the time. It's going to be authoritarian. It's going to be uh, willing to jail you for, for dissent. And it's going to be willing to jail you for uh, smelling like dissent, even if you didn't uh, engage in it. Because obviously, if they're willing, you know, if she's willing to uh, hide exculpatory evidence uh, to to ensure that someone remains in jail after it's proved that they didn't commit the crime that she prosecuted them for, then she'll she's not going to change that when she is in a position of more power and more authority, right? So we have. And, and Biden has always been authoritarian. He's always been, you know, throw him up against the wall mm -hmm. and frisk him authoritarian. So there is that. And they're, they're definitely uh, um, they're definitely leaning toward socialist heavy. They're they're talking about Bernie Sanders policy type uh, type behaviors. They're talking about, um, you know, a, a extreme uh, socialist environmental bill. Uh, bills that, that, that actually don't have anything to do with real environmentalism uh, and are actually all about uh, uh, installing installing communism into the United States as, a, as an economic system. Uh, and they're yeah. talking about um, <laughs> essentially re restructuring the United States around identity identity politics. right yeah. so that that's we're not looking at um, a a uh, an equal set of you know these are these are two evils and they're close and one of one is uh, a little worse than the other. We're looking at Trump. Actually, a lot of what he does, I think, is because he's listening to people, which is not the the way that these people operate. They're not doing what they're doing because they're listening. There, I don't think yeah, Biden there are people in his circle that you know they're basically. Uh, not really on his side. They're like, uh, well, it's not just the people the, uh, in a circle. I think Trump did what he felt that the public would want. Uh, Biden, yeah. he's not, I don't think he's just doing what he thinks the public will want. I think he's doing what he thinks can manipulate the public. And he's, yeah. he's also providing an example for the public. This is the way I want you to be. Um, and I think there's a significant difference there. This is authoritarian uh, political correctness socialism uh and and uh essentially uh thought control mm -hmm. and it's not just about making the public happy by picking a, a woman who they're telling everybody is black it's about making the public believe that this is the right thing to do yeah sure sure that's okay. all part that's the that's how that's basically what how feminism works right I mean, right, it's, bizarre, right. it's bizarre that, that this was all post hoc rather than rather than post hoc, uh, uh, pre hoc rather than post hoc. Uh, uh, Joe Biden didn't uh, pick Kamala Harris and then say, "I picked her for a number of reasons, partially because she's a minority of uh, a woman of color." But no, the, this happened beforehand. He said, "It's like it's like people asking him, Joe, what kind of gun are you going to bring to the battle?" And he said, "A black one." A completely mm -hmm. black one. I'm going to paint the whole gun black. It's going to be the blackest gun in the world. That's <laughs> nothing to do with 
guns, Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's proud of it. Well, and he he's picked still it proud of it. because she's female, and that's another thing. I we're still in a situation of uh, because being female can be used as an argument, and being female has been put forth as a qualification. Gender is not a qualification. Your sex doesn't qualify you for anything. Right. It doesn't qualify you for a job. It doesn't qualify you for a loan. It shouldn't qualify you for a loan for a house. Doesn't qualify you for for it doesn't make you a better or worse business person. It doesn't make you a better or worse legislator. It doesn't make you anything special. Right. Your sex doesn't do any of those things. And yet we are being given her sex as a qualifier for her office. That's not yeah. a qualifier. It doesn't matter. And as long as we are doing that, as long as our society is doing that, we're not ready for a female president because we can't hold her accountable. Her sex is also going to be an excuse. You can't criticize her because she's female. You're a misogynist mm-hmm. if you criticize her, right? So if she does something bad in office and people say, that was bad, you shouldn't do it, people are going to come back and say, you can't say that. She's a woman. You're a misogynist. We can't right. have that. We cannot have that. No, no, of course. We, we only had we only had how much of that for uh, Hillary when her every run? goddamn yeah. day. Yes, yeah, they they do it now. Like when when uh, you know when they were uh, uh, I would say you know ho- having a hearing with Bill Barr, but it wasn't a hearing so much as people screaming you know uh, screaming at him and then not letting him respond. I'm taking back my time. I'm taking back my time, Brian. Right, <laughs> Reclaiming my what? time. Why are you answering me, Brian? Answer me. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> but they were, and there were accusations of, oh, I can't believe you're so disrespectful, you know, and these were the women, right? So, yeah, they've been doing this even when they're not president. They've been doing this forever. I mean, you can't even criticize the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, no. who's a fucking, she's crazy ass Beetlejuice lady. Like, but you can't criticize her because she's female and, and lesbian and then woman of color. So it's all, it's racist, sexist, and homophobic at once to say this mayor is terrible for us. But, um, uh, Hannah, I want you to finish your point because I want to add something else with regards to who these people are trying to pander to. Um, well, I just, I just, one of the things I wanted to make sure people really, really get a grasp on is the danger of having an unaccountable person in the White House, right? Mm-hmm. Even as a vice president, we cannot, we cannot have an unaccountable person in the White House. We already had someone who was partially unaccountable because if you criticized him, you were racist, right? And now we are looking back at a series of crimes committed by his administration. And I don't know how accountable they're going to be held because of it, right? I don't know Mm -hmm. how high it actually goes. There's a lot of information still to come out. But these people felt immune to the law. These people felt like they could essentially run the white house like a crime syndicate yeah and and they did right down to going after an incoming president uh in violation of due process in violation of his civil rights in violation of the sanctity of our election process and uh and that's just with one uh one position in the progressive stack right just just skin color as a position now we have Female. Skin color and female. And I don't know if y'all remember what we talked about with respect to political correctness in the progressive stack, but out of the entire progressive stack, every position on the progressive stack gets one step more socially and politically powerful when you add female. Right? Yeah. And well, female is always at the top. 
the entire progressive stack mm-hmm. is designed to funnel the power of victimhood to women, not not to people in in various ethnic yeah, backgrounds, not trans not people, people not black economic people, situations, not right? Muslim people. Yeah, women. As long as you can add women as a descriptor, they trump they they trump it. It's like it's so like until, women are always the royal flush yes. in the card game. So until the progressive stack gets knocked down, like a Jenga game, mm-hmm. it's it's we cannot have a woman in charge. Period. No woman in in the White House. No woman in the presidency. No woman in the vice presidency. I will not vote for a ticket with a woman on it until women are equally accountable to men and female victim points disappear. Yeah. So the thing I wanted to add to to this is um, I think there's something that this is what I believe. I don't think that these nominees are aware of this, that, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are aware of this. When they're doing this, when Joe Biden said, I'm going to get me a VP that's a woman of color, he was trying to He's pandering to the Black Lives Matter movement. He's pandering to minorities. He's pandering to women. Um, he's basically trying to make himself more, uh, you know, uh, making himself more appealing by moving away from his white maleness. And one of the reasons for it is that um, Trump was attacked for four years by uh, progressives in the media and academia and so on. And one of the main reasons for it was because he represents the patriarchy in their mind. He is a straight white male that's rich and, you know, has, he basically checks all of the correct boxes to be most evil man ever. All right. That, that is the truth about Trump. I said that from the beginning. I said, Oh, they don't like him because he is the patriarchy. He is everything they despise. And um, it's almost like his politics don't matter because, you know, he's, He's the most LGBTQ friendly president ever. He was okay with them from the get go. He's done a lot for black people, but none of that matters because he is this, he represents symbolically this thing that they hate. So Joe Biden did this because otherwise he also kind of falls into that category. He might be even worse because you could argue that he's the, he's that white dude progressive that says I have a black friend in Barack Obama, but, and you know how much progressives hate it when you say I have black friends. So he gets Kamala Harris to be his person. And of course, he wants to make sure that she is an establishment individual that's on his team. So she's one of these uh, neolib types, not Tulsi Gabbard, who is also a woman of color, but she's on the out. She's an out group person, right? She's uh, persona non grata for the Democrats. They hate her, even though she is in the same party as, as they are, because she's not one of them, not one of this particular clique of people. Now, this is what I think that I don't think a lot of uh, people in politics, and I really don't think Obama and, I mean, not Obama, I'm sorry. I really don't think that Biden and Kamala know this. They think they're going to get the vote from these progressives that are doing these um, you know, riots and looting and protesting all over the country, these Antifa figures and these um, Black Lives Matter people and these black militant groups you know, that are going around and they're, they're basically saying we're just going to burn everything down and fuck the system and ACAB and everything else. The truth is they're not going to get their vote. Those people hate them as much, just as much as they do Trump. 
It, they're all part of the same system. They're not going to get their vote. These pandering, the pandering is not going to work because these people are revolutionaries. They're not looking for reforms. They're not looking to change the system through democracy. They don't care about voting. They don't care about democracy. They want to tear everything down. And I think that what's going to happen is all those activist groups and those hardcore far left, uh, you know, commies, whatever you want to call them, commies, tankies, progressives, I don't give a shit. Antifa people, they are not going to vote for them. They're not even going to vote on defense. All they're going to do is come November, they're going to go full bore with their riots. They're going to basically, like everything that's happened thus far in terms of the rioting and looting and such, that's all just been practice. They're going to really come hard come November because they don't want to participate in the system because they hate the system. They've talked about it many, many times. I've seen it all over the place. They don't care about voting. They don't care about voting for black people. They don't even care about black people. They really don't. Black Lives Matter doesn't care about black people. They don't care about poor people. They don't care about, they just hate the people that represent the establishment. They just hate them so much that they just want to do as much damage as possible. So, and I, and I think, and I honestly believe this, I think the neolibs like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and all the other ones, they're so out of touch that they have no idea that these people have absolutely no interest in their political games, period. And that started, that resentment began when they invested in Bernie Sanders in 2016 and they saw that the Democrats basically ousted him. They pushed him out because he wasn't one of them at the time and they didn't want anything to do with him. And that's basically it. From that point, they, they, they're done with the political system. You can look at what the Young Turks talk about as an example. I don't even think those people are that radical, but if you look at what they say, and then you take that and you put it in the mind of some you know revolutionary in Portland or in the Evergreen College, or in uh, you know Seattle or New York, it they they feel the same way. They just want to burn it all down, and I I think that they're not going to get those votes because I don't think those people are going to vote because they're going to be out burning shit down on that day. Some people need to understand about the riots, right? Because I've been watching this. Um, if you go all the way back to I think it was 2012 when uh, the the feminist riot. Uh, and the, the so-called protests, but they were yelling and screaming and throwing things and at, engaging in violence against the police um, at at uh, uh, University of Toronto when when Warren Farrell spoke there, uh, and they were all stirred up because some people took some quotes out of context, lied about their meaning in context, and and got a bunch of women uh, to believe that that Warren Farrell supports something that he did not support. Yeah. Uh, and does not support. Um, and uh, so they that that protest, one of the significant things that I noticed about that protest was that they shipped in protesters from other organizations. That was not just camp, uh, campus feminists. Organic. In fact, yeah. fucking scum girl. Um, mm-hmm. She was not a campus feminist. She didn't go to school there. She didn't have anything to do with the campus. She was there as part of a, uh, a support for for the campus feminists and the protests by a local union. She was part of that union, and uh, she was actually a professional protester. She'd been involved in other incidents in other places, and there was like there's somebody that traced back um, her activity. She was not 
just this organic uh, protester that showed up. What she did, she was accustomed to doing, right? That behavior existed prior to all of this and was weaponized on campuses across the United States and Canada for about about 10 years prior to uh, what we were what we're seeing today. Um, you could see that starting to happen in in the the 20 zeros uh, on campuses. You could see protests here and there on campuses in the 20 and it was, you know, protests over uh, gender issues and protests over racial issues. And there wasn't a whole lot of news coverage and there wasn't a whole lot going on with that and everything. And then you hit um, you hit 2012, 2013, you started seeing uh, campus administrations condoning the violence. And as, as you go forward, you saw protests, uh, anti-speech protests against people like Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, speakers like Ann Coulter, um, you know, just different people who are more controversial because of things they've said that are that are uh, poorly worded or that are uh, express controversial ideas, poorly thought out ideas, um, you know, things that people people have not dealt well, well with specific issues and stuff like that. So it's easy to stir stir shit in, in, around them. All right. And you saw if you would if you watch over time. Uh, from on campuses from from about 2011 through about 2015 it it uh, sort of escalated from loud obnoxious uh, uh, protests that blocked people's uh, movement from from point A to point B and and prevented uh, uh, people's egress you know people people entering into and and actually, uh, watching various speakers and, and prevented speech, speeches from happening, uh, stopped events from happening. This happened to, uh, to to speakers involved in the men's rights movement, where there were there were speakers who did not get to speak because people showed up with cowbells and and uh, uh, air horns and stuff, and 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 literally just made it so noisy that they could not speak. Uh, this happened to Janice Fiumingo. Um mm-hmm. Of all the people, like she is the most mild mannered kind-hearted, soft-spoken, sweetest people you will ever meet. And they did that to her, of all people, right? It's like kicking a puppy. And so this was going on on college campuses for a few years. Uh, and then as as it started spilling out onto public property and in cities and everything, you saw the same thing happening in cities that was happening in college campuses where administrations in left-leaning areas, urban areas, condoned violence and they condoned criminal activities trespassing um property damage you know uh, assaults on the police and stuff like that and and they they allowed it to happen giving these people more and more uh, leeway and more and more belief that they are immune to prosecution for this kind of behavior they asked police to stand down all right so this was this wasn't none of this happened organically. This was designed. This was cultivated. This was yeah. this was cultivated just as much as the lettuce that I just picked out of my garden was cultivated. It was fertilized. It was watered. It was given sunlight. It was put in a greenhouse. Right? It was grown. And when Trump came along, it was already there. And it was lit like a tinderbox 
and set off by the rhetoric of the people who support it. It had absolutely nothing to do with Trump. If it had been a, a, uh, an establishment Republican, right, it would have been exactly the same response. It would have been exactly the same thing. If it had been an establishment Democrat, we still might have seen this happening because it was deliberately created. There is nothing organic about this. Uh, every single opportunity they've had, the establishment media has stirred shit. They have published falsehoods about different incidents involving the police in order to stir people up. Uh, there have been people who have been paid, you know, not necessarily uh, paid as in it's your job to protest, but as in here, you can have this bus ticket for free if you'll go do this in this area. Right. So there has been all of this. If you look up one word uh, on online and read about the history of it, um, Gowlighter, look up the word Gowlighter. Uh, I believe it's spelled, let me see, G-A-U-L-E-I-T-E-R. Look up the definition, read about the history, read about what they were, read about what they did. The officials who did this are the same. That is what we are looking at. We are looking at an environment created by Gowlighters, but Gowlighters for socialism in the United States, not Gowlighters for national socialism in Germany. Mm -hmm. So when you blame Trump for this, you are being short-sighted. You can be unhappy with Trump. There are reasons to be unhappy with Trump. But don't be stupid about it. Right? Recognize what's happening because this has nothing to do with Trump and everything to do with attempting to fundamentally change the structure of the United States from the top down and from the bottom up. All right. Uh, one last thing, Mike J, you said something through, I don't know if you're still conscious, but, um, developing, okay. Kamala antagonizer this is a tweet by Paul Sperry, uh, to Kamala antagonizer, Tulsi Gabbard in play as possible crossover speaker at GOP convention. So, um, that is interesting. I guess we will see. I don't know if the GOP convention will be like an IRL one or if they're going to do it online. I think they did that with the Democratic uh, convention just to avoid, you know, spreading the, the coof, as it were. But I hope um, she speaks up. I hope she doesn't shut up for the entire election process. Oh, no, no. I'm pretty sure that we're going to hear from Tulsi Gabbard. I called that, too. I said we're gonna that clip of Tulsi Gabbard and Kamala Harris, um, you know, debating where she brings up how many people Kamala Harris imprisoned and all that. I said that's going to make a comeback and we're going to see it everywhere. The moment I saw that, that, that she was the one nominated. But ultimately, not surprised by this. I, I saw it coming. I guess we'll see how things go. But I'm telling you now, the memes are going to be dank. We're going to have a dank couple of months. So be on the lookout, and uh, we're going to move on to the next story. Let us know remember, what you guys Remember, if you're an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things, <laughs> then, you ain't, then you ain't black. 
a lot of people will hear this sort of thing and go, wow, okay, I can't get behind that. And they'll drift into fence-sitting territory. But there's no telling how many people will hear that, the idea that all black people should think the same way. And they'll go, well, I clearly can't get behind that either because it's obviously irredeemable, but it is what I think. <laughs> Deep yeah. down, though I would never admit it, I do actually think all black people should think the same, so I'm going to conveniently forget this and vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read your super chats because I got a bunch. Um, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to respond to any because we've already talked about this first story for an hour and... I try to have these shows over at 6.30, which basically is in another half hour. And we'd have to go through a few stories, four more in the uh, in the next uh, half hour. So I'll just read them and then we'll move on. Uh, maybe if there's time, we could talk about them later. Albert Nader Retro gives us $10 Canadian and says, I just came from Dis Daisy Cousins live stream and offered the idea of a weekly roundtable that would feature her with Karen, Lauren Chen, Jennifer Molesky, and Tara Babcock. What do you guys think? Sounds good. I don't think it can be pulled off, but we could try. I have had Jennifer Molesky and Lauren Chen on the show before. Um, you can look them up as Fireside Chats. Richard Bier gives us $4.99 and says, in order to abandon your principles, you first need principles to abandon in the first place. This is true. Uh, Mr. Roboto gives us 2 bucks and says, Biden lost in White House, Kamala Harris president. <laughs> lost in the White House somewhere, right? In the West Wing. Albert Nader Retro gives us $5 Canadian and says Kamala is the perfect tag team partner for Biden because neither of them give a crust about due process. They are cut from the same cum-stained rag. Well, that's um, graphic. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fillerator gives us $10 Canadian and says Harris is a narcissistic, vicious adventurer. Watch Joe Rogan's recent clip with Josh Rubin and Jason Flom of The Innocence Project. She withheld evidence. She was shamed by judges and worse. Yep. Kind Torment gives us five bucks and says, just stopping by to smash like, still at work. Thank you for that. And the rest of you guys could please smash like for me. Otherwise, we're going to be reclaiming our time and the show is going to end prematurely. I'm kidding. Just hit like, though. Albert Nader Retro gives us $10 Canadian and says, I donate this in the name of Carly Ellison. Thank you, Albert. Or thank you, Carly, I guess. Thomas Dean gives us $5 and says, you have a choice between stability and chaos. You have a choice between the party calling rioters, rioters, and Antifa a myth. Uh, but it is. What's his name said so? Talbot Links. Oh, I said that right. Talbot Links gives us five bucks and says, Futurama cast, quote, President by default, yay for default, 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 end quote. Lauren literally gives us $4.99 and says, Harris accepted the VP pick, so that confirms she ain't black. That's right. Because she ain't. Unless you're uh, Sean King, in which case anybody can be black if you try hard enough. Meredith Glassberg gives us $5 and says, while we're paying attention to the national race, we need to pay closer attention to our local races. Every city burning elected those officials. I agree 100%. Um, I, the, you know, we have a problem with uh, the people in this country that don't really get involved with politics. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we deal with this. Unfortunately, you may not be interested in politics, but politics is interested in you. Albatross Flight gives us $2 and says, Kamala looks scared in the thumbnail. Um, she's supposed to be, like, uh, really, really verklempt by being chosen, I guess. I don't know if that's a recent one or something else, though. Polaris589 gives us $5 and says, imagine thinking presidents are held accountable, lol. 
Um, Richard Bier gives us four ninety nine and says, "Wasn't it during the Obama administration that there was a lot of IRS raids on Tea Party donors and their businesses?" Yep. Yep. yep that actually, and and uh, it was in the news, and then it was denied, and then evidence was provided, and and that was that was actually criticized. So yeah, it, it, this mm-hmm. this was a this was a fun controversy. Yeah, and then lastly. Polaris589 gives us five bucks and says, who died and made Joe Biden king of the blacks? He is king of the blacks. I'm Elvis. getting your corner. It's pronounced Kang. He's Kang El- of El- the blacks. Elvis yeah. died and made, made Joe Biden king of the blacks. Yeah. Elvis is dead. Long live, long live the king. All right. So let us know what you guys think about this story in the comments. I look forward to seeing your thoughts on uh, what do you think about Joe Biden's pick for VP? All right, moving on to the next story. And Mike J, if you need to go, that's okay. Go ahead. I know that you're really tired. So, um, oh, I just got another one. The Real Seller gives us $10 Canadian says, time for me to drive home. I'll catch the rest of the show later. All right, thank you so much. Drive safely. All right. So, next story. We're going to get weird here. Uh, mathematics, the latest field of study to fall. I didn't think it was possible, but here we are. Two plus two equals five. Warning, this is not the Babylon Bee or the Onion. What you're about to listen to is factual. A math professor at Brooklyn College tweeted that math is not objective. Lori Rubel tweeted that, quote, the idea that a math or data is culturally neutral or in any way objective is a myth. I'm ready to move on with that understanding. Who's coming with me? Hashtag take back math end quote. In a follow-up tweet, she tweeted, quote, along with the, of course, math is neutral because two plus two equals four trope. It's a trope, guys. Are the related and creepy math is pure and protect math. Math is math, to quote Mr. Incredible. Rubel eventually deleted those two tweets, but another one saying, quote, um, y'all must know that the idea that math is objective or neutral is a myth Hashtag take back math is still up. Universities are continually under attack by this type of Marxist ideology, and it has only gotten worse in recent times. The idea that two plus two equals four and that math is objective is racist. All right. So, uh, yeah, academia has gone to shit. This woman is, she looks like a Wayne's World background character. But, all right, anybody have any thoughts on the death of mathematics? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you all know why we call it uh you'll know why we call it algebra right and an algorithm those are those are arabic words uh math was largely I mean, it was started by the greeks but it was preserved by by the muslims this is one of the good things about maths uh different cultures don't disagree on the fundamentals even if they're completely different religions they have to go yeah math appears to be exactly the same everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and it was we we have we have uh, the Islamic Empire to thank as much as the European Empire for 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 uh, uh, keeping math alive. Uh, yeah, so, I believe that uh, I believe that we sent probes to space. You, I, well, there was something about communicating with aliens. No matter what their language was, we we would use mathematics to do it because it's the only thing that we would see as a universal that they could actually conceive of. Uh, something along those lines. I remember it was way back in like the 60s or something. They were talking about that when we thought aliens. There was, there was really some dude in the early 20th century who who essentially proved that 
uh, even mathematics is not fully. It might have been Bertrand Russell, but uh, because because uh, it, no matter how predictable something is, you can't predict it with one hundred percent certainty because you haven't seen every possible outcome in the world. Something else could always happen, and that's right. you know, that, that's the scholarly way of explaining that. <laughs> that may, I don't think that's what they were going for. <laughs> so what's being done here is is actually really sneaky. What they're really trying to tell people. Um, is that because different cultures have different ways of describing the same processes differently, that makes them different processes. It's very sneaky and underhanded and Orwellian. Um, and, and when you put a set of objects in front of you and there is a quantity there, no matter what name you have for that quantity, no matter how some other culture describes that quantity, the quantity remains the same. And if you modify that quantity by by a a, a, a process, addition, a, a subtraction, you know whatever, add to the quantity, uh, the the change is the same, no matter how a different culture describes it. And that that's how math works. It doesn't change because you're looking at it in a different language. It doesn't change because your way of describing it is is culturally different, uh, and so on. The only thing that that actually isn't constant in math is is communicating it, right? Communication, and unfortunately, uh, math uh, math experts are really great at the language of math, but they're not really great mm -hmm. at at um, recognizing the difference between modifications of language and modifications of quantity yeah so if you have two of something and you add two more to it and you get four we describe that as two plus two equals four the quantities don't change if you take them to a country where instead of counting with a series of numbers from zero through nine, they count with a series of numbers that are represented by a totally different uh, type of, of writing. That yeah, right. If we translated it would be one, yeah. two, three, four, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, and so on. If even then it's translatable back into two plus two equals four. Yeah, essentially that's saying that math. The math as we use it is too Western. So it's like, well, it's, it, that's it, why she calls it white supremacist patriarchy. And it is an attack on the ability to recognize what objective fact is mm -hmm. and, and understand the unassailability of objective fact and differentiate it from subjective information. It is an attempt to insert subjectivity into the the uh, the consciousness as the state of all things, that's dangerous. That is actually right out of 1984, and it was explained in 1984. This is how a totalitarian government makes it so that you can't fight back. If everything is subjective and there is no such thing as objective truth. There is nothing to defend. You cannot describe the condition of being human, and you cannot 
fight for human rights. Right. Sure. So we're going to talk more about that on HBR talk this week, though. So I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that with uh, Jesse Lee Peterson on the Fireside Chat yesterday. Boom. Double plug. Boom. Watch the show that I did yesterday and watch HBR talk on Thursday. Tomorrow. Amazing. We get. Yes. Amazing. All right. And Lauren, um, since you're in the chat, be ready to be fired up about that. <laughs> Using words to change reality. All right. Um, I don't have anything else to add to this. This is just stupid. I just thought to share it because it's fucking funny. Um, so if you guys have any other comments to add to this, otherwise I will move on to the next story. Um, all right. So we're going to move on to the next one. This is a little bit of a sad story. Uh, I was sent this by Christoph Petgaz. And uh, if you guys don't know, Christoph Petgaz is an MRA. Uh, he appeared on a Jubilee video about men's rights activism versus feminism. And uh, he's also been on the show, I don't know, at least three or four times. He was also spoke, he spoke at the ICMI. He's very involved, in particular with Title IX uh, and National Coalition for Men. And he sent me this story. So a North Carolina professor was forced to retire because of his, quote, racist tweets, end quote, committing suicide only a few days after the university announcement. Mike Adams, 55, a criminology professor, reportedly or, I'm sorry, reached a $500,000 settlement with the university and was set to retire on August 1st. Several change.org petitions called for his resignation over misogynistic, xenophobic, transphobic, homophobic, and racist rhetoric in his tweets, supposedly, including calling people protesting George Floyd's police custody death in Minneapolis as, quote, thugs looking for an opportunity, end quote, to break laws without consequence. Before I finish the write-up, it's important to point out that that was their best the strongest argument they had was that he called people who were behaving like thugs, thugs. Celebrities from the former TV hit show, which I've never seen before, One Tree Hill, which is a, uh, it's like a, a primetime drama aimed at young women, I believe, also called for the university to cancel Adams, specifically over a tweet about the executive order limiting social gatherings signed by Governor Roy Cooper during the coronavirus pandemic. In late May, he tweeted, he dined with six men at a six-seat table and said that he, quote, felt like a free man who was not living in the slave state of North Carolina, end quote, before adding, quote, Massacupa, let my people go, end quote. Of course, he was being funny because he felt, you know, enslaved, you could say, by the pandemic, hence using the word massa. A few days later, an online petition started to fire Adams. University officials denounced his, quote, hateful, hurtful language in a statement published June 5th. Then on the 29th, university officials announced that Adams decided to retire, quote, in light of the public attention generated by his social media posts, end quote. On July 23rd, Adams was found dead alone in his home from a self-inflicted gunshot wound after a friend called New Hanover County Sheriff's deputies to check on him. His friend told the dispatcher that Adams had been acting erratic the past few weeks as he was under a lot of stress. And I want to add, before we uh, take opinions from people, that Christoph told me 
that uh, that he was because I asked him who this person was because I never met him before, and he said that he was a member of the National Association of Scholars and the National Coalition for Men. He also adds, I have never spoken to him, but he seemed like a really nice guy. He had Christian sympathies, and he seems to have been a victim of political lynching. So he was a member of the National Coalition for Men. And this is the third person involved with the National Coalition for Men, with men's rights in general, really, that has passed away. I guess you could say second if we, like, throw out the Roy Den Hollander thing since he, like, didn't like us very much. But um, I thought I would share this with you guys. They really came after him hard. And uh, basically, he, you know, seems to me that he was just sort of like your standard run-of-the-mill, pretty, you know, religiously conservative dude that didn't want, um, didn't like authoritarians. So, and you guys want to add anything to this? Quiet. Well, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. You know, it's it's another situation where uh, someone may have been driven to suicide by political correctness, um, and there there was no excuse for that, right? So mm -hmm. he said some things that were tactless. Like the the last bit there is definitely tactless, but it's not hate. It's not even really racist because he's making fun of a trope. The, you have to pretend to sound stupid because these other people are, are um, um, dominating you or, or enslaving you. And that mm -hmm. trope exists because that did happen. Uh, and, and, and it's been written about and talked about. And it's not going to go away if we don't, you know, if, if we don't remember it. It still happened. It's history isn't changeable. Um, even though, you know, the, the, the social justice types just, again, straight out of 1984 would like you to believe that it is. It's not. Uh, that, that was a shameful part of history, right? And he referenced it. And, and, and it is mm -hmm. tactless to reference it today because it hurts feelings, but it's just tactless. Nobody's damaged by it. Nobody's prevented from getting a job. Nobody's prevented from... Uh, uh, living their lives, they might be momentarily annoyed and they might think less of the guy for a moment because he was tactless. But if we took everybody uh, out and, and shot them for being tactless, uh, I, I think we would probably have like five people left in the world and they would be assholes in secret instead of in public. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, the way that this guy's being written about is entirely unfair honestly um and the way that he was talked about was entirely unfair and this is this is a result that's uh, one of the reasons i was kind of glad to see cancel culture turn on the uh the uh uh blogger who tried to get a a kroger employee fired for not bullying a woman over uh failing to wear a mask to the store he went and talked to the woman and then uh, went and talked to the blogger and, uh, you know, uh, assured her that uh, he had he had spoken to the woman and the blogger demanded things that that uh, nobody's entitled to, like footage and all kinds of stuff. And and was told no and tried to cancel Andy, the Kroger uh, employee and, and Twitter sort of rallied behind Andy instead. So um, it's uh, it's uh, 
it's shitty that this was a result of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's quite... And there isn't really anything else to say about this other than it, it's, it's, it's quite obvious from things like this that the response needs to be more more like it was to that blogger and, yeah. and people yeah. who try to do this to other people need to just be smacked down you know shut up quit complaining take it to the authorities or or leave it you know this isn't the place yeah yeah uh yeah it's a, it is a tragedy and um i you know there isn't much else to say about it so uh, just a shame, and I wanted to do this because Christoph sent it to me. I think he wanted me to mention the story. So, you know, uh, rest in peace, uh, Dr. Mike Adams. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess we'll see if if anything else comes of this. Maybe they'll try to destroy his reputation or whatever. Now that he's gone. Anyway, uh, let us know what you guys think about this in the comments. Let me read your super chats and move on to the next story. Uh, Tyler Pressing gives us $2 and says, seize the article's title. This is a reference to the mathematics one. What the fuck? We were joking. Yeah, we had joked about that, about how, you know, the only thing they can't politicize is math. And yet here we are. Polaris well, that, Saturday, right? actually set it off. Somebody actually posted a meme uh, about, you know, the, the left promoting two plus two equals five. And it set off this whole discussion. Yeah. And then it happened. And then it happened. It's like, you know, it's this is well, the thing that Jonathan Haidt has said, you know, the people who are on the center, uh, basically everyone from the center to the right are actually more, they tend to be more educated on the left's arguments than the opposite. They actually have a better understanding of their, of their framework and of their arguments, and they sympathize more with them than the other way. And I think that's, that's due to conditioning. I'm not, you know... Uh, making the claim that this is uh, genetic or anything like that. I think it's basically the way in which people who are are on the left um, tend to see the world. And I think that that has to do with how they've been educated in, you know, academia, with, with their media. Uh, this is why they, they you know, often reference uh, their hobbies to like they draw from, like whether they read Harry Potter, which I, I don't think they read Harry Potter anymore because J.K. Rowling is <laughs> the enemy but when they did it, they would often reference that or what TV shows or what books they read or what games they played or, you know, who they what they heard from their professor. It's all part of their conditioning and they regurgitate it um, over and over. And I think people hear it and it does. They, they can be moderates. They can be centrist. They can even be center left. And they would know what those arguments are and they would have a better understanding of their opponent's case than the reverse, because what people on the left tend to learn is a straw man oversimplified black and white version of what their opponents believe and that's why there is so it's so difficult to have a conversation with them because um it will result in cognitive dissonance and anger uh and emotional reactions so it's hard i'm not saying it can't do it i i do it every day i try but it is very difficult because they assume you don't understand them, but then I explain their arguments to them and they figure out that I do know because I, I do know their positions because I look at them. I try to understand them. I, I even do it to challenge myself, um, but the reverse doesn't happen. And, and Jonathan Haidt has done studies on this and has talked about it at length. Um, you can look up his work on YouTube about that. So 
It's like there's a whole group of people sort of stuck on the first hump of the of the Dunning Kruger graph. I don't know how many people can visualize that, but it's yeah. You know what Dunning Kruger is? It, it's it's how incompetent you are de uh, de defines how confident you are or something. And there's this first yeah, yeah, hump. Yeah. There's this first hump on the Dunning Kruger effect. It goes way up and then way down and then gradually goes back up. And it feels like there's a whole bunch of people that are stuck on the beginning of that first, hump, first hump because some people won't let let them leave. But I think it's just when when something becomes so pervasive and so popular as this, there's always going to be that that bottom ten percent of people who who think they know everything, even even though they know nothing. And even if those people eventually wise up, they're going to be replaced with another large group of loud people. And mm -hmm. and this is just sort of going to keep getting worse the more popular it gets. A similar thing goes on with religions. In a lot of ways, people outside a religion are more educated than the things than than, than the people inside it, because in order to be a, a devout follow, follower of a religion or a secular religion like feminism, you, you kind of necessarily have to blink your eyes to some of the, uh, to oh, to some the, of the, the, uh, the less rose-tinted, some yeah, of the yeah. inconsistencies in the scripture. Like you have to, yeah, uh, yeah, that I, makes I would sense. Put it this way, with regard to political correctness, um, imagine if every time you tripped anywhere you were, no matter what you were doing, no matter what kind of surface you were on, every time you tripped, you had to fall down the stairs, and mm. it was it was just part of your. Um, life experience, the, your religious experience, whatever, that every time you trip, you have to fall down the stairs. So, of course, every time you trip, a, a set of stairs must either appear in front of you. Uh, the people the people that are part of your group must create a set of stairs for you to fall down, or you have to go find they the new it stairs and, and fall down. That's basically what you see happening socially around anybody who, who um, doesn't doesn't fit their their model of living, right? Basically, anybody they see trip socially, mm -hmm. verbally, um, and 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 say something tactless or say something uh, that that has no intention at all behind it or only good intentions behind it, but that they can take, you know, oh, you said my butt looks big in these pants, and in that way, um, that that they're going to put a set of stairs there and push them down every single time because you tripped and you have to fall down the stairs. That's essentially the, the level of sense and the, the type of experience that, that political correctness creates. Yeah. Uh, all right. Rest of the super chats. Uh, Polaris 589 gives us five bucks and says Kamala Harris being VP choice isn't new. There have been plenty of VPs that were POCs, politicians of corruption, or as I like to say, Pieces of crap. Uh, <laughs> Richard Bier gives us four ninety nine and says, "How do you balance a checkbook with a different cultural standards of math, dude? St stop being a racist in the chat." Richard Bier gives us four ninety nine and says, "And just who is doing the defining of what is ist phobic and ism? Your moral superiors in the ivory tower, obviously." That, and you know what? I don't have time to explain this to you because you see, I found out that because I'm a quarter black, I'm black. I got the N-word pass for life now. Matthew Maddox gives us $5 and says, I'm not dead yet. Oh, wait, you said mathematics and not mathematics. Never mind. I see your name is a pun. I now I acknowledge your pun. Your pun. Or, or, or is it a coincidence? And it's a joke that you just can't resist the opportunity. <laughs> that was a good opportunity. I, you, I, I mean, you know, now I'm going to remember that next time I meet anyone named Matt, Matt Maddox. 
because uh, I'm going to use that. That's pretty good. All right. So we're going to move on to the next story. Let us know what you guys think about that one in the comments. Uh, all right. This one is probably going to get you raging. The internet provides a window into women who baby trap men. Yeah, baby trapping. You guys may have heard we've talked about this before. Uh, it appears that it's become popular again. <laughs> baby trapping, motherhood by theft, sperm jacking, or spurgling. Spurgling, which is sort of like, a, you know, it's sperm, sperm burgling. Like burgling, like a burglar. Sperm burgling or spurgling is on the rise, according to the Daily Mail. Today, a woman has, quote, an arsenal of high-tech gadgetry at her disposal, end quote, including ovulation tests and, tra and trackers and DIY insemination kits for cheap on Amazon. The internet also granted a window into the minds of would-be spurglers. Online threads about the topic include debates about how big the hole in the condom needs to be for sperm to get through and that celastic condoms are better than normal ones because the material they're made from is not toxic to swimmers, swimmers being sperm. Sperm. Uh, the article's author isn't exactly appalled. One user confessed the following, quote, I got pregnant on purpose in order to keep him from leaving. We've been together for five years, end quote. I've been trying to get pregnant my, by my married boyfriend for a year, says another. Wait, what? I've <laughs> been trying to get pregnant by my married boyfriend. Is that a cuck thing? Else. Married, is that like my, my, my wife's boyfriend? Cuck, <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, cuck, I think they call that a cuck queen um, when it's a female that's being cucked. But I don't think the woman knows. So this is just called adultery. Um, says another, quote, I think if I have a baby, he will leave his wife for me. Another quote, uh, he told me he'd never leave me if we found out I was pregnant, so I did it on purpose to make sure, end quote, admits another. The author of the article asks, quote, they've spurgled these men, yes, but if the surprise fathers fall in love with their babies once they're in their arms, is that such a disaster? Is it? End quote. So, so emotionally manipulating someone's okay as long as you've done it by making him a dad. It's it, the same it's, as like it's, if you just bring a puppy home, even though your mom or your dad says don't bring any dogs home because you're sure that if they see his eyes, they're going to be like, oh, I guess we'll keep him. It's just like that, just with a human being. It's not It's not fraud. It's fraud when men do it, you see. When women do it, it's this cute little word called oh, spurgling. It's not right when women do it. When women do it, it's uh, it's... Uh, a compromise of, of, of some kind of it's a spermatozoal compromise or some description. I don't know. I don't yeah, think Canada, it's I don't, rape women do it. Yeah, I don't think spurgling is a cute word. It actually made me. It makes me cringe every time I say it. It just sounds it's, like it's some, it's, think of somebody it's, gargling sperm. It's yeah. cuter than fraud, you know, and what it is is fraud. Pregnant. Yeah, it's yeah. cuter than fraud, I guess. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> The article, the, the author of the article, I already read that one. From the articles, here's some more from this article. Quote, it's what fertility therapist Helena Tubridi refers to as, quote, the semi-accidental pregnancy. Semi-accidental. A rarely voiced issue is a 30-something woman suddenly trying to extract a ring from a long-term partner, she says. He is blissfully unaware of the biological clock, but she risks being dubbed needy and dumped for a younger model if she talks about this. So then come these accidents, which speed things along, end quote. 
The article also warns, quote, women thinking about getting pregnant without a man's consent need to consider the serious ethical and legal ramifications. I'm covering my ass right now. Issues range from the STD risk and lack of information about the father's genetic history to the worry that he won't want to be involved. Probably not. Or the opposite, that the father, a man she might barely know, has the right to sue for 50-50 custody of the child. And, quote, God forbid I was, he wait, would I was want to custody of his own kid. I was, I was waiting right to get around to a ramification that's actually legal. Because well, that's the only one. He might want to be the father. Oh, no. Wait, I want, I want to read you one more thing. 50-50 yeah. shared parenting. This right the, here. Because a woman cannot use a baby as her meal ticket, her money ticket, or her, her cage to put you in if you can get equally shared parenting rights and walk mm -hmm. away. One more thing I want to read before I let we, we comment on the article is uh, the top – because the comments is pretty fucking cancerous. Um, and the, the first comment reads – this is from Demaris, was a woman – she says, why no words about men not committing to these women with whom they're having sex? So essentially saying, well, if you're having sex with them, you should be prepared for the baby and commit. Even if that wasn't part of the plan to begin with, even if that may not have been on the table at all, guys, maybe you shouldn't be having sex with women. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, it, if you don't want a baby, you might have to like be the ones in control because women are clearly not in control. All right, now you guys can go ahead and, and comment on this story if you like. Just want to remind everybody that we have an entire government department that exists specifically for the purpose of, of mitigating the conditions that, that are put on society due to the fact that we do not hold women accountable for controlling their own reproductive choices and they don't that we don't hold them accountable for, for for controlling their own fertility and that exists in a place where we have multiple types of birth control we are the ones who get to say no without any social repercussions we are the ones who get to say who without any social repercussions and we are the ones who get to make birth control a condition of our consent Right. And then then if we get pregnant anyway, we can have an abortion. We can use an abortifacient or we can have an abortion. And if we have the baby, there's a whole other set of systems that exist to to excuse us from accountability from our choices. There is adoption. There is the safe haven abandonment system that exists because society doesn't want to confront the fact that some women will kill their babies instead of taking care of them and it's a safe place for the woman to to give the baby to somebody who will take care of him instead of killing him so mm -hmm. like all of this bending over backwards so that women don't have to take responsibility for for engaging in planning and mindfulness and care and consideration when we decide to become mothers and yet who gets shamed for not wanting to commit? Yeah, men. That's yeah, exactly. And uh, this is this is a good reason, gentlemen, to in fact keep a bottle of hot sauce on you on you at all times. 
There's a story, uh, someone called in, I think it was Loveline once, and has since become an, uh, a possible urban myth, that he suspected his girlfriend of uh, sperm jacking him. And, and so when they finished uh, with sex one night and they took the condom off and went to the bathroom and put it in the bin, he applied a little bit of, of, of Tabasco sauce into, oh. into, into the used sperm. And then he went back into the bedroom and then she went into the bathroom and a couple of minutes later he heard some ungodly screaming from the bathroom. Oh, if you're gonna do that, icy hot that was a, is that was a hot, Tabasco that was a will look like yeah, it will look like blood in the semen. But icy hot is, is colorless. But if you're gonna do something like that, I would I would actually use uh isopropyl alcohol because it'll kill the sperm. And mm, you cannot you guarantee that Tabasco sauce will. So, no, no, it'll just give the woman a very rude awakening. And by the way, this apart yeah, to this I, guy, I, sorry, she tried to prosecute him for assault or something because of that. <laughs> just, just for the record, isopropyl alcohol does not feel very good when you put it in a mucous membrane, and the inside of the vagina is a mucous membrane, so <laughs> it's still go. still suck. Yeah, Oof. messed up. So, yeah, um, we should move on to the next story, uh, but we are doing pretty good on time. We're a little over, but this is messed up. But we have talked about this before. It looks like it's there have been new technologies and techniques that women have been uh, using. So maybe take Mike's advice. Yeah. And also, you know, check your condoms or, like I said, just find another way. Cut your, um, you know, maybe uh, cut your cords. All right. Uh, let us look at your super chats and move on to the next story. Uh, Zarius gives us five bucks and says, these women are graduates of the Wendy Williams School of Have Baby Craft. Yes, men have never been in control of this. Uh, Richard Bier gives us $4.99 and says, and just how hard is it to get equally shared parenting rights again? Much less primary custody for the man again. Yep, it is. And then Richard Bier gives us another $4.99 and says, just remember that if she adopts the baby away, she loses out on child support. This is true. Um, that is true. This but is, it doesn't I think, stop women from doing it sometimes yeah. without the father's consent, even when he, or especially when he wants uh, custody. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think about this in the comments. Maybe you have some additional tips for men uh, to avoid this same kind of entrapment. Let us know what you guys think. Tip. I have one tip. Vet women for character. No matter how many people accuse you of slut shaming, misogyny, or any other kind of hateful behavior, if you wouldn't trust her to go into a business deal, don't let her in your bed. Mm-hmm. All right. And now we move on to the last story. This one was Mike J, but I'm going to be the one to read it. Um, try to do something that's a little bit semi-positive uh a lot of this stuff is pretty scary or sad so wrestling legend marty janetti most famous as the tag team partner of Shawn michaels i remember that that's like from my time when i used to like wrestling has seemingly admitted to committing murder on a now deleted facebook post janetti who is currently 60 years old claims that while working at a bowling alley as a teenager a gay co-worker that he purchased marijuana from attempted to sexually abuse him. Janetti describes the event that followed and how he reacted, stating in the now-deleted post, quote, he dragged me around the back of the building. You already know what he was going to try to do. That was the very first time I made a man disappear. They never found him. They should have looked in 
the Chattahoochee River. That's it's actually the River Chattahoochee. That's a funny name. And quote, Janetti later attempted to clarify a statement in an interview saying, quote, I said he disappeared. I didn't say I killed him. I said he disappeared. I can't say he deserved to die, but he deserved to get his ass beat. And when I was beating him in the head with a brick, I was only trying to beat his ass. I wasn't trying to kill him, end quote. However, later in the same interview, Janetti also stated, quote, all I know, man, is that no other kids had to worry about him, end quote. Police have announced that investigations to Janetti's claims have been launched, but given the amount of time that's passed, police have graded it as a low priority. And to add on, so he's talking about an, an event where he effectively um, beat a pedophile. This is just his, his word. We don't know how true it is. He could have just been talking shit. And one other thing Mike J wanted me to know is that uh, Janetti is a massive alcoholic. He was clearly tanked in the interview that he gave regarding the deleted Facebook post and has a habit of getting high and posting weird shit. So anything he says or claims should be considered, maybe take it with a grain of salt. Um, but nonetheless, one of the other things that came out of this was that uh, the, uh, the LGBT activist community, all right? So this, has to, this is very important that I clear this up. He essentially... If we're taking what he said at face value and we include the murder, he's essentially killed a pedophile in self-defense, okay? But what's interesting is the response. The LGBT media ran headlines accusing Janetti of killing a gay man, essentially being a homophobe and a terrible person, and omitting parts of the post that explained the attempted abuse. So basically, they were trying to frame him as a terrible, regressive homophobe who killed a gay man, when what he's really talking about is essentially defending himself as a teenager from a pedophile. Um, and if the pedophile is male and he happens to be male, I don't think that him being gay is the problem. I think that him being a pedophile seems to be the problem. All right. Well, him, him trying, to, trying to fuck him is a problem. If someone and tries also, to rape you, yeah, then you... Yeah, trying to rape yeah. you, yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Although he says I, I I wasn't trying to kill him, but he did throw his body in a river, uh, his unconscious body in a river, and that's not something you do if you're not trying to kill someone. <laughs> How would you say that or if they're unconscious or dead? Unless he killed a drunk. <laughs> yeah, unless he was he could have been he was a teenager, but he could have been. He could have killed him on accident, like he wasn't trying to, but you know, he didn't know what he was doing when he was hitting him with a brick, I guess, and then got scared and tried to hide his body. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I, like I said, well, there's a, there's the a grain of salt, but. For one thing, um, obviously, in, in talking about this, he, he at the very least felt that it was virtue signaling to say that he made a pedophile disappear mm -hmm. uh, outside of, of a legal avenue. And maybe uh, he, was, he was talking about engaging in self-defense. Maybe he was talking about something that has been haunting him for the rest of his life since it happened. Um, maybe he was talking about something that he's been hiding his entire life. And, and since he was drunk, he talked about it and maybe he made the whole thing up. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but there's a, there's a few, um, there's a few, uh, things that you can say about this. One of them is with respect to the LGBT community, there's, there's actually two very distinct and separate LGBT quilt bag populations, right? 
One of them is the whole alphabet soup that that takes every letter of the alphabet that wants to be included and, and says, okay, yeah, you can be you can be a sexual identity and we'll we'll uh, we'll advocate for you and everything that you do has to be right because progressive stack. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get people's faces and we're going to demand that normalcy be condemned because uh, you can't you can't have the suggestion that anything that is atypical isn't wrong. So, you know, therefore, therefore, typical and normal must be wrong. And then there's the 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 other half or bigger of the population that is that is actually LGBT or GLBT. Um, and and we just want to be left alone. And. Most of us are tired of seeing buy invisibility day trend on Twitter because fuck you. We want to be invisible, you know, um, and, and live our lives and exist and not be in anybody's face or confrontational about sexual choices or anything like that. Um, and initially gay rights was about just being treated like a human being. And, and nothing more and nothing less. And all of a sudden, over the last, you know, 20 years, we've had this evolution of uh, uh, insistence on fundamentally changing society into something, again, where objective truth doesn't exist and uh, where normalcy cannot exist because if they exist, any exception is viewed as bad and wrong. And, and and the reality is you can be weird, different, abnormal, unusual, um, unique, and not be wrong as long as you are not hurting anybody. And the LGBT invisibility segment is never going to accept pedophilia because pedophilia necessarily does harm if it is acted upon, right? It is an illness. It is an inability to uh, create intimate partnerships with people who are on an intellectually and psychologically developmentally equal level. You can only uh, be attracted to somebody, if you're a pedophile, you can only be attracted to somebody who is undeveloped intellectually and, and psychologically, mentally which is a handicap, right? An incompetency. Mm-hmm. Children are not competent to consent because they are not developed to the point of being competent to consent. So that is a problem. It isn't consensual adult sex. It isn't a sexuality. It isn't an attraction based on um, a, a, a personality type. It is an attraction to a disability, essentially, to an incompetence. To an incapacitation, to a vulnerability, to an exploitive, uh, exploitable condition. That's not a loving attraction. It's not a functional attraction. It's not even a substitute for a reproductive attraction. It's predation. And it needs to be treated as such. And it needs to be treated as a psychological condition not as a choice, not as a lifestyle, and not as something that you can just exist with as a handicap and do nothing about. And until we get to the point where people can recognize that, 
we're going to have incidents like what uh, what he described, right? What Janity described, whether he's telling the truth about his situation or not. We're going to have incidents like that, and we're going to have people arguing that, oh, well, it's all right to kill him because he's a pedophile, because we can't talk about it. So there's a lot to say about the situation, uh, but none of it is is necessarily covered in the story. Um, pedophilia isn't a sexuality, and yeah. it, it needs to not be treated as one. No, and again, it's important to point out that the people who were going after him for his story were not LGBTQ people so much as LGBTQ activists. Activists. And that's, and then, that's the yeah. difference. They weren't. They weren't, they may have been members of the, of the community. Like they may have been LGBTQ, but they don't represent the average ideas of the average LGBTQ person. Um, The truth is they probably are um, part of the community and they, and, and that's the thing is the activism has been taken over, over the last 20 years by this kind of, actually the last 40 years now by this kind of behavior. Yeah. Uh, It's it's not, it's, it's just a sad fact. Yeah, like no, they're, they've been trying to normalize. There have been people in these movements, and, and they're connected to feminism. You can put it all under the same umbrella, that have been trying to normalize pedophilia for a long time. It's well, as, a long as, time. as a white person, you can advocate for, for black rights for your whole life, but you're never going to reach the point where you think, well, I, I guess I'm black now, but it's not quite the same with LGBT people. You, know, you can only be an activist for them for so long before you think, am I one of them? How easy would it be to, uh, oh yeah, it it's the easiest thing in the world, isn't it? You just say you're LGBT and you... Oh yeah, that you're like non-binary or something. I mean, that's actually the easiest one to join when you think about it. Well, I mean, I guess feminist is too, but um, but yeah, it's, it is it is easy to, to get into, especially if you're like a you know, a white dude and you want to like get, you know, you don't want to be a white dude because you've been taught to hate that. So you say, oh wait, I'm actually non-binary. Um, or something, but I don't present like I'm still growing out my beard, but occasionally I put on eyeliner. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's true. Any other, um, uh, thoughts on this one? I just, you know, I, I, I went with something a little lighter, but I do think that there is something to be said that a man who was nearly raped and defended himself, assuming this is true, because again, we don't know for sure. Um, who was nearly raped as a teenage boy and defended himself was being thrown under the bus by the same kind of people who would have been extremely sympathetic had he been a woman and was trying to tell that same story. I know if that did happen to him as a kid, just imagine carrying that with you for the rest of your life and what it would do to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I know. It's probably one of the reasons why he's an alcoholic. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, I mean, it's probably that, one of the reasons. So, if, yeah, no. that if that is a true story, if what he told is a true story, and and we have no reason to believe one way or another whether it is or not, but if it is a true mm-hmm. story, um, it it made him what was it something between if I remember right, two to to forty times more likely, depending on uh, the circumstances of of engaging in al- uh, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Mike, were you going to say something to that? Oh, I forgot what it was. Doesn't matter. Was it oh, about yeah, yeah, alcoholic? No, I I remembered Milo's story because Milo, well, his story is I just laid back and fucked the guy, and he got buggered for that as well. Well, literally, but yeah, I, 
if you're in the if you're in the wrong camp, no, no matter how you deal with a situation like that, someone's gonna gonna get offended by it. Use it against you. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing is that I don't even the you know like I don't know what Marty Janetti's camp is, but he is uh, you know a straight white man. I don't know. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe they assume. Uh, you know, because I think a lot of guys in pro wrestling, they tend to be from the South, uh, you know, so maybe that's why I honestly don't know the story. So, but it seems to me that if he's on a podcast and he tells a story and he basically says, I, I, you know, I may have murdered a gay man. I think that, and even though the fact that he tried to rape me as a child seems to be irrelevant because all these, these activists here is, you know, I tried to kill a gay man and it probably happened uh in the 70s or 80s i don't know how old he is so it probably happened like back then because he said he was a kid a teenager so anyway um let us know what you guys think about this in the comments i would like to hear from that um i don't know if you guys get why i chose this story but it has to do with the way in which we view uh certain activist groups review a male who might be a victim of a rape and even if that man defends himself they could find ways to leverage it against him um, yeah. you know, so, if it had been the other way around and he'd have been a female and it had been the and that she killed the man. Oh yeah. yeah. They would have, they would have painted a mural of her. She would and have, I, would have gotten I, donations. They would ask her to speak at, at yeah. like the, in the UN or something. You know, and the one thing I can say about that is in terms of, um, self-defense, an individual who is interested in committing a violent crime against another person pretty much forfeits their right to to expect non-aggression you know mm-hmm. obviously whether you're male or female if somebody if, if you commit a violent crime against somebody you should expect that they might defend themselves with deadly force and i i don't see anything wrong with telling people to expect that if that's what they're going to do if they're going to commit a violent crime the big problem is the difference in how it gets treated when a man does it versus when a woman does it a man who defends himself with deadly force is head, held accountable uh, for for the consequences of his deadly force, regardless of the circumstances under which he used it. A woman would have been excused and possibly celebrated for it. Yep. All right. So let us know what you guys think about this in the comments. Uh, we are we went over, so I'm going to read your super chats and then I'll wrap it up. Uh, let's see. So I believe. Albatross Flight gave us $5 and says, why write this article? Isn't this giving away the secret so that men can better defend against sperm jacking? Well, I think it's it assumes that uh, they might not read it because this is sort of like in the women's section, male online. Um, yeah, I think this is the women's section of the of the website. So you got to realize and- women, women go through life on autopilot. A lot of women go through life on autopilot. They don't carefully think things out. They're not strategic in terms of they only get strategic when they're mad at you. Yeah. Right? When they want to take something from you. But they don't get so strategic when they're they're thinking about showing off and getting attention. And uh, this 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 is just a, a function of not poorly or not thinking this out very very carefully. And just put it out there because I wanted to brag about it. Another thing is is that like, you know. So what if it's out there? What are you going to do about it? And you think men are really going to be paranoid about this? Probably not. I mean, I think they should be, but I don't think that they're going to see this as a warning. The one Ryu gives us $10 Canadian and says, when I bring up that people should be abstinent, women accuse me of just suppressing their right to have sex. 
no guys, this is why you should practice this, practice abstinence as well. I, Real simple fact. Uh, you don't have a right to have sex. Nobody has no. a right to have sex. You have a right to ask people, right? You have a right to, to maybe seek it uh, and, and uh, attempt to get into a consensual relationship. But being female doesn't confer a right to expect sex. A lot of women don't understand that either. Nope. No, they don't. Uh, all right. So that's all the super chats. Uh, thanks, guys, for all your kind donations. A lot of super chats today. That's really great. And I would like to know what you guys think about any and or all of the stories that we discussed today. But for now, we're going to close off the show and head into the patron-only cringe where we will be looking at this website called blacklivesmattersatschool.com slash teaching materials. If you want to look it up yourself, you can. Uh, it is literally blacklivesmattersatschool.com slash teaching materials. It's right there. Check it out yourself. Um, but for those of you who want to be a part of the show when you do that, go to feedthebadger.com, uh, set up your donation for $5 a month. It'll get you into our Discord, and you'll be able to watch the show much like you're watching this one right now. So with that said, I'm going to wrap the show up here. I'm going to thank Mike J for taking the time out to help me with the write-ups and hanging out with us for as long as he was able. And I want to thank Hannah and Mike, a random recam that is, for coming on the show with me. I'd also like to thank Lindsay and Andrew for their help regarding the write-ups as well. But most of all, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show and watching because otherwise we're just shouting into the void and that would make us look as crazy as we are. So with that said, if you guys like this video, please smash like and subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications and leave us a comment. Let us know what you guys think about this. Thank you guys so much for coming on this episode of the HBR News Show, and we'll talk to you guys in the next one. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.